more points online. We are honored that you're joining us today. And if God is using this ministry to change your life, please let us know at fourpoints.org slash my story. It's because of your generosity that we are able to expand the kingdom. And if you would like to give and be a part of what God is doing, then visit fourpoints.org and select the safe and secure option, or you can download our app and choose to get there as well. We are so excited to hear a powerful message from God's word today. Well, I hope y'all are ready this morning for a word that, um, that certainly blessed my heart and, um, and I hope it blessed yours as well. Before I jump into the message, um, I want to tell y'all a couple quick things that are important that my ADD will help me forget if I don't say them now. So I'm going to go ahead and, get, and let you know a couple things. Number one, if you serve at Four Points or if you haven't started serving but you're interested, tonight is our 80s prom. Now, that didn't get a lot of excitement. So, so here's what I'm... I didn't, I'm not going to say I'm supposed to, but I feel like uh, some of y'all need to know. Some of y'all don't have 80s clothes, so let me help y'all. Go into your closet and find the oldest thing that you can find. Then find something that doesn't match and mess your hair up and you got it. <laughs> y'all with me? That's, that's the 80s, pretty much got it. And, and then you can get like an old toboggan or something and put it on your leg warmers and just cut holes in them. And, you know, it's just basically if it doesn't look good, you got the 80s. Phew, it's amazing how great we dressed back in the day. Uh, but it's going to be a lot of fun. And so we encourage you, if you, even, if you don't, uh, even if you don't volunteer yet, come on, hang out with us. It's going to be fun. It's not going to be a big time of teaching. And it's just, this is just to have fun and hang out. So we would love for you all to come. The next thing is the promise is coming up. We're super excited about it. Uh, March the 8th is going to be here before you know it. And we're going to sign on the dotted line. And it's going to be official. And we're going to, and we're going to, I just believe God's working a miracle, so we just want to keep putting it out in front of you and let you know that we're moving, and um, we just ask you to pray about how God would have you be involved, and then there's lots more coming up, so I hope that y'all will look on social media and look online because we will put that information out. Praise the Lord. That's all I'm giving you today. Now, here's where I want to start today with let's get it on because I'm praying that the power doesn't go off. If y'all were here last week. That's the craziest thing I've ever seen. Because it was raining and freezing rain. And so I guess I shouldn't have been that surprised. But it was just like the four times and then it finally went off. And it was like, all right, now, this is getting a little ridiculous. And, um, and in the six and a half years that I've been a pastor, I've never felt the resistance like I do for this series. And I can't really explain it except that I feel like there must be a reason that God is wanting to do something in your lives and in my life. Um, as a matter of fact, I, I really felt like I was pacing in my little hallway there <laughs> while Shannon was singing, and, um, and I was just trying to pray and clear my mind and ask the Lord what he would have me say. And One thing that I wanted to share with y'all is kind of where my heart is and what I've been experiencing, and it's this. In the last couple weeks, um, I've experienced three different marriages that are on life support that I've had to directly be involved in. Involved in. And um, it's, it's not Leah and I, and so it's easy to throw that off and say, well, thank God we're not dealing with that, but I'm not real good at that. <laughs> I'm not real good at just not worrying about it. 
Um, and on Tuesday of this week, I just felt like I go home, um, Revo Road every day. And so I pass by our land and I just stop and I pray over it. And I just tell the Lord, thank you for giving this to us and what a blessing it is. And then when I stopped that day, I really heard the Lord say to play my Bible app. And I didn't look anything up. I just played it right where it was. And it was on Exodus chapter three and Exodus three is the burning bush. And, um, and as clearly as I'm standing here, I heard the Lord say, before you take them into their promised land, you've got to take them out of Egypt. And I really think that's what we're doing right now with this series, y'all, is this, is this is getting out of Egypt. Or even if you're saved and you're a follower of Jesus and the mindset of the Egyptians and the old way that we do things. And I don't know. If, if y'all have ever had this experience, but anytime you feel like the Lord gives you a word, I'm telling you, without fail in my life, the enemy comes to try to snatch it away. And, and a day later, we got bombarded with two marriages that I'm telling you, I, it, it, it just wasn't surprising. And when I was on my way home, I, I was just reminded of how, um, how I watched the old way of thinking. Because I'm now going to describe for you the old way of thinking and how I fall into that category so often. Old way of thinking is when things are good, it's all good, and I can just lose focus and just do my own thing. Old way of thinking is I'm in charge until I need God to come beside me. Old way of thinking is woe is me, and if they're not doing for me, then I've got to point it out to them. Without ever considering God on the front end, and it's so easy to get trapped in a way of thinking and then find myself in a jail cell and not know how I ended up there. Because this is what I hear every time I counsel with somebody, y'all. Without fail, this is, how, this is what I hear every time is either they make me do this, that thing makes me do this, or this caused this to happen. I, I can't remember a time, I may be wrong, I can't remember a time where someone came in and they said, I'm just in a, in a bad place, and this is 100% on me because I took my eyes off of Jesus. I, I, can't, I can't remember. But then I thought about this. How many times have I been feeling sorry for myself, and I've taken my eyes off of Jesus, and then I like to throw the finger at everybody else? I know it's going to be quiet in here at first, but it's going to get good, I promise, if y'all will just hang in there with me for a minute. Because this is what I've noticed. Nobody who's going good. So I feel like some of y'all in here in your relationships, and I know everybody's not married, but, but that's beside the point. Uh, nobody in here that's going good right now in your life with the Lord and walking with Jesus is thinking right now this is about to get real. But, but our battle's not against flesh and blood, but principalities and darkness. So why are we surprised when the enemy comes against us? The Bible says that no weapon formed against us shall prosper, but it doesn't say that it won't be formed. And so every time that one is formed, when I go running for the hills and I'm crying and I'm like, God, where are you? I stop looking at him at some time if I'm having to say, where are you? And what I'm finding is that things may be good right now, but in reality, our mindset is so Egyptian-like, which just means, I don't mean like literally Egyptian or King Tut, y'all. So everybody just calm down if you think that's what I'm talking about. Y'all are allowed to laugh because that was sort of funny. 
King Tut. Back in the day, we used to sing songs for it. Y'all might not even heard of King Tut now, young people, but we used to care about him. But <laughs> Ramesses, but, but like, like it, it, it's the way of thinking that God must not have something for me on the front end or on, or on the back end. And so I've got to go create it myself. And so I, I have to look away and go find what I've got to look for instead of if I keep my eyes on him, he's already finished the work in me. And every time a difficult situation comes up, we should feel encouragement because the enemy's trying to snatch away what God's put in us. But instead, we look around and go, well, you caused this to happen in my life. And I don't know about y'all, because I feel like I'm talking to somebody in the room, but maybe y'all are just going to stay quiet on me today, and that's okay. But if you're married in here, doesn't it seem like it's your spouse that gets the brunt of it, even if you're not, your spouse isn't the one that you're mad at? It's crazy. So I want to work backwards today, but I want to tell you that week two is about culture, and the title of my message is Compliment or Compete. Because God made us to complement each other in relationships, including and, and most especially in marriage. But in every relationship, God made us to complement each other, to live in unity and harmony. But if, if that is God's plan, now this isn't rocket science, but y'all can track with me. If that's God's plan, then would the enemy want this to happen in my life? Wow, there was like four of you. And so that wasn't a trick question. Would God want this to happen in my life? No, not at all. As a matter of fact, this is what he would want to happen. Because, listen, competitiveness is good. I, I feel like if you don't have a competitive drive when you play ball, phew, like we would have struggled if I would have coached you and you wouldn't have been competitive at all. Like wanted to do your best is what I mean by compete. But when we want to compete against the people that God wanted us to connect with, that's when we have a problem. And so this isn't the same thing. God intends for us to complement each other. But I want to work backwards and start with Genesis chapter 1 because this was last week, but I know a bunch of y'all missed it. And so just in review, I need you to know who you are and what's so important about authority. The Bible says in Genesis 1, 26, God said, let us make man, that's mankind at this point, let us make man in, man in our image, in, in our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, the heaven, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, everything that creeps have dominion. And so God created us in his image. He created each one of us, male and female. He created them. And then it says what we're supposed to do. So this is our charge. God said, let them be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over all of these things. Like, so, so we get our purpose and our identity in Genesis 1, 26, 27, and 28. But here's the biggest takeaway that we've got to get before we can move on to today's message. You cannot find proper identity until you fall under God. We were made in his image, but we were made to fall under him. God is not just a God that wants to come beside you, hang out with you, and not be your Lord, your authority. But whenever we just think about God as some dude who has a white beard, sits on a cloud and wants to come hang out with us sometime and not the supreme creator, amazing God that rules and reigns over. He is our Lord and Savior. And whenever we try to, to, to minimize God's role in our lives, 
Well, that's where we find ourselves in a problem. So, so this is real simple and real easy, but if you want to know if you're trying to take the place of God in your life, this simple test will tell you how much control are you trying to maintain in your life? Let me repeat that because I don't know if anybody got it. How much control are you trying to maintain? Because, because our calling in life is to be good stewards with what God puts in our hands. But control looks like this. Control looks like I don't like the way you look. I don't like the way you're talking to me. So I've got to change you and not God change me. And then I'll just walk and the people that you have called to will follow. And so whenever I get the mindset of it's my job to change you and not God change me, then I've got a control issue. Which y'all is why we got, this is a side note and I need to keep moving, but it's why we have problems at home. Like when we try to control our children and we try to put them in a bubble and we try to make sure that they never get a cold, y'all, I'm just telling you, like the, the people that have the, the pumps of, of fluid in the back and, and like they try to make sure with the hand sanitizers and all this stuff that they'll never get sick, y'all, you can get the flu and you ain't even got to touch nobody with this season. I heard a doctor say last week that, that it doesn't matter how much you clean your hands, everywhere has the flu. If you're going to get it, you're going to get it. So everybody that's been going, oh, my gosh, we got to make sure they're clean. And then you got the flu. You're like, I've been washing my hands every day. Well, you just probably someone's going to get it, y'all. I mean, I just, and we rebuke it in Jesus' name. But, like, but no matter how much we want to control the situation, how many of y'all know that hell comes? You can't do it. But what we can do is we can, we can submit to his authority and then we can operate, have the culture that God intended us to have by, by, by being fruitful and multiplying and filling the earth and subduing it. Like that's the goal. So this is, this is how each one of us then have unique qualities. And y'all, this is going to build on itself. It's going to be good if y'all hang with me. Next week is something that God showed me a few weeks back and I'm telling you, it's a game changer, but we got to get through this week and show you before sin comes on the scene. And I'm telling you, it's a game changer, but look at this. It says in verse seven of Genesis two, then God made each one of us unique individual. He formed the man, by the way, this is the word Adam. So whenever you see Adam, it's the same exact word for man. But literally in the Hebrew, that's A-D-A-M means man from the dirt. Of dust of the ground, and then he breathed. Now think about this. I don't know if y'all ever read the Bible and you get a little bit freaked out with what it says. But this is what the Bible says. God picked up some dirt and breathed, and then he had a dude. So whenever someone calls me a dirt bag, you know what I'm saying? Like, touche? Like, I don't know. So I know some of y'all don't get it, but. But let me tell you what's significant about this. The word for spirit in the Greek and Hebrew is ruach in the in Hebrew, and it's pneuma in the Greek. And the word both times does not mean ghost. I don't know if y'all know this, but it means breath or wind. Right here, the way God made us in his image was to breathe his stuff in us. We were made with his spirit. Y'all, this isn't like an opinion. That's what happened. Into the nostrils and the breath of life. His very essence. Every time we breathe, 
Every time we breathe, it's a miracle because that's how we were made in God's image. It is unbelievable. That's how man was made. And, and the man became a living creature. That's unbelievable. Now, i got to keep rolling because i got a lot to cover. But right after this, it seems like the right time to create the woman. But that's not what happened. Verse 8 and then 9 and then some of the verses I'm going to show you in just a minute. says he planted a garden. And there was all this stuff, and then and then there was a river, and then all these things happened, and da 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 and then and then and then we skip over to verse eighteen, and now we, we're ready for the lady. So why did that happen? I'm glad you asked. I'm gonna show you in a minute. All right, here we go. Verse eighteen says, "Then the Lord God said, it's not good for the man to be alone.' I don't know if y'all have ever heard that before, but that happened in creation. I will make a helper fit for him, ladies, during Woman Week, which I think is week six. We're going to cover helper because it's so cool. So cool what it means, but not today because we don't have time for that. And so, so there's a lot of detail, but it says the Lord God caused the deep sleep. And while he slept, he took one of the ribs out of Adam and placed, excuse me, closed it up his place with flesh and the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man he made into a woman. And brought her to the man. Now, I'm weirded out by the dirt and the, but I'm also weirded out by the rib and the, the whole, that whole thing too. I don't know if y'all are. When y'all read this, y'all might just be like, that's so sweet. Y'all might have the flannel boards with it and y'all might not be weirded out with it, but that's crazy, right? It's crazy. I've got so much to say. And then God said, this at last, excuse me, and the man said, this at last is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. It should be good. And they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Somebody should say amen to that one. <laughs> I can tell. I got to get my water. Excuse me, y'all. I can tell who's married and who's not in here because some of y'all said, should I laugh at that? Is that bad? <laughs> it's not bad. It's good. But naked and not ashamed most definitely is not about sex in this scenario. I want y'all to know that. Naked and not ashamed or unashamed is about how we conduct ourselves, having a childlike faith, coming to God Watch this, together and not competing against each other and living in the culture that he created between the time he made man and the time he made woman, which is what we're going to look at in the next few minutes. And so this is the goal that every one of us live under, whether you're married or not. The goal that we live under is, is individually and then collectively to be naked and unashamed. But the way that we do that is to think differently, to operate the way God said to. Watch this, no matter what comes against us. Did you know that nobody is allowed to make me behave a different way? Can I say that again? Because I don't know if y'all are understanding what I'm saying. Nobody has the right to make me behave differently except for the one that I fall under. So that means if I say, well, that person came against me, so that's why I'm doing these things. If y'all just knew what I was going on, I'm like, no, that was on me. 
That's a me problem. 100% of the time, that's a me problem. So whenever I come home and I tell my kids, well, I'm sorry, but daddy's just stressed out at work, and then they can't sleep at night, I could just stay here because I don't know if y'all are understanding what I'm saying. Let the crickets crick. What do they do? Chirp. Whatever they do. <laughs> crick sounds better anyway. We'll just go with crick. Made up words. That's what we do at four points. Hashtag we are four points. Yeah, all fours. Praise the Lord. I never want to take responsibility for what I need to hold. But I'm telling y'all this, and you don't have to believe what I'm saying. This is just the reality throughout Scripture. 100% of the time, the fruit that comes out of my home and my life is a result of the culture that I'm walking in. And the culture is always the result of who I believe is in charge. 100% of the time, the fruit of what is being produced in my home and in my life is a result of the culture. And 100% of the time, the culture is the result of who I believe is the authority in my life. So whenever I fail to fall under authority, which is God, and then other authority because I, I want to dishonor other authorities that God's put in my life, like Romans 13 says. And I'm deciding to dictate the, th- the way that this thing goes instead of fall under the way that God says it to go. And watch this. And then I get mad at the outcome. I cannot control what takes place in the world. Listen to me. I can't control when hell comes against me, in other words. But I can control whether or not I will fall under his authority, period. That doesn't mean I'm always going to be perfect. This has nothing to do with that. This has everything to do with who I want to control things. And the crazy thing about the way that God made choice is God gave me the ability to choose whether or not I'll be in control of my life and try to reign supreme. But what I don't get the choice of is the outcome. That is always tied to the choice. And so whenever I'm frustrated with all this stuff happening, it doesn't mean that stuff's not going to attack you. Jesus said it was going to happen. What it means is that when my kids are living in chaos because of what I'm carrying home, that's on me, not what I'm carrying home. And it does the opposite of what was intended to happen, sorry. Because the Bible says in, 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 in verse 8 and 9 in Genesis 2 that then he plants a garden. I think this is so cool. The word plant doesn't mean like what we think because God didn't take seed and put them in the ground and say, okay, we're going to wait a couple months and this stuff's going to start being good and it'll be good. It, it, It literally means to impart, to make it happen. And so God made a garden, and I believe with all my heart after studying this a ton, y'all, I believe with all my heart, Eden, the, the purpose of Eden, by the way, the word Eden is so cool. The word Eden literally means house of Adam or culture that they were supposed to live in. It does not mean garden. I always thought it meant like, this, is a, this just means garden, right? And it's a specific location. This means the culture. I do believe that there was a place. But this is the culture they were supposed to live by. And so he planted these trees and he said, do all this stuff. And we're going to look at this next week. He said, you can do all of these things. This is all your yes. Don't eat of this tree. And then it says this in verse 10, a river flowed out of Eden. To, watch this, to, to, the, to water the garden. 
So the purpose of this river was to give life everywhere that it went. Are y'all with me so far? And it divided from one river, from what flowed up. It was like something that bubbled in the middle, it appears. And divided and became four rivers. Everybody say four. All fours. All right, here we go. Some of y'all will get it later. All right. The name of the first river was Pishon. Everybody say Pishon. (laughs) You can get in trouble with that one. All right. Some of y'all get that one later too. I won't explain it. Get myself in trouble. It flowed around the whole land of Havilah or something where, where there is gold. And then they had to keep talking about the gold because I guess it's good. And, and the gold, I've spelled that wrong somehow, so I think maybe something. And oxen, stone, there was all this stuff. The second river was the Gihon. The purpose of it wasn't all that. Y'all just wait. The, per, the second one was Gihon. It's like Gihon. That one's not as bad. And it flowed around the whole land of Cush. And then the name of the third river was the Tigris. We have one that's tiger that's spelled with a Y too. So it must be like this one. Just kidding. And it flows east to Assyria. And the fourth one is the Euphrates. 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 Nobody? Y'all good? So, so whenever you read the Bible, and some of y'all have seen this before, but it, the Lord just showed me a couple different things in the last couple of weeks with this. Whenever you read this, it's so easy to just, to just read it in like a one-year Bible time period or, or in the chronological thing and just read it and say, sweet, there was a river, it became four and all that stuff, and that's all good. But there is a specific reason, I believe, that he made man, then he showed the culture that it's supposed to be, and then he made woman. And this is what I believe the purpose is. There's, there's meanings to each river that are unbelievable. The first one, the Pishon, Pishon, means overflowing or increase. Now watch. Here's a question I've been asking myself this week. Things overflow and increase when people are around Mark. Specifically at my home when Leah and my kids are around Mark. But what overflows and increases? Is it stress and anxiety and difficulty and because, because I decided that the river of life that flows through me, who is Jesus, isn't good enough? The thing that bubbles over, he is greater than all the things that I face, but that's not enough, so I have to try to fight them on my own. And so as a result, what is increasing in my home is the difficulty level. Is that what's taking place or, or is what's increasing and overflowing, overflowing, excuse me, easy for me to say, is, is what's overflowing in my home what God intended to overflow? Because remember, be fruitful and multiply. Be fruitful and multiply. That's what God created every single person under the sound of my voice and the eight billion that aren't. Everyone was created with the same purpose. Not everyone was created with the same calling. 
Not everyone looks the same, sounds the same. Not everyone's going to be the same. God loves the uniqueness of every single individual. God made the colors of people on purpose because it glorifies him. God did everything he did on purpose. And there's some things that we won't understand until we get to heaven. But one thing is for sure. Our identity internally is all the same. To be fruitful and multiply is our purpose. And so whenever we can understand what the river of life is really about, I will be increasing. I will be overflowing in everybody that's around me. I will make disciples like God intended for me to make. And the most important disciples that I'll ever make in my life are the ones living in my house. Because if I lose my home, but I build a big church, that is a failure with a capital F. But most of us are so concerned with what people think that what overflows in our lives is difficulty. And we blame the whole world, but y'all, it's going to be difficult sometimes. But this is what I'm asking y'all out loud right now. You think this is Egyptian thinking? The old way of thinking? The slave way of thinking? Or is this promise thinking because God promised me something even when I can't see it? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to flesh out what he put in me to be. The second one is Gihon. It means breakthrough. I love this one. Because this is the question I wrote in my notes when I was praying through this this week. And this is super simple, but it's kind of frustrating at the same time. Do I hope that people, listen to this, do I hope that people will give me a breakthrough? Or do I hope that God breaks me? And as a result of my brokenness, my humility to fall under him, other people can experience what God has done in me and experience a breakthrough themselves. Because if I need, listen to this, if I need you to be something for me, then I don't think God was enough for me. If I need you to be something for me, well, they're not what I thought they should be, and they're, and they, and it's just, because here's the breakthrough that I've noticed in my life is I get the break part sometimes when my mind's not right and when my heart's not right. And I've really kind of been disobedient with the Lord this morning because I should have used the word pride about 137 times so far because that's the word that I keep hearing is pride. And what I've noticed, y'all, is when my pride starts raising up because that's my go-to, I refuse to say that I'm wrong. Watch this. And then I immediately show everybody else how they're wrong and try to break them apart. We say all these different kind of things. We make excuses. Let me break it down for you. What I really want to do when I'm breaking it down for you is break you apart so you think I'm better than I am. So there's a river flowing, but it's the dead kind. There's no bubbling over. There's no river of life. I don't know if I'm talking to anybody in here because there's a lot of crick. That was a good one again. I love this. this one might be my favorite one, but all four might be, so just go with it. This means swift like an arrow toward the target. And I am so convicted by this. Let me tell you how you know this is an issue in your life. You can circle this, star this. Let's pretend in here that everybody's married even though I know a bunch of you aren't, a bunch of you are like 14, and so please don't get married for a while. 
But if you have a spouse, this fits so well. But to anybody, honestly, friendships, this fits so well. If I desire my destiny in Christ more than I desire hers, that I want her to point me to my destiny in Jesus, and that means that I'll point her, watch this, away from hers if we're not walking in harmony together the way that God called us to complement each other. So, 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 so even though I look at you and say, well, you're supposed to be a tigress in my life. I'm pointing you towards something whenever I'm thinking about what you can do for me. But it's straight away from what God intends for you. The only person I'm supposed to look toward to find the direction, watch this, this is really hard. The only person that I'm supposed to look toward to find the exact direction for my life is the Lord Jesus. And anytime I take my eyes off of him and I try to get you to tell me it's because I'm not convinced of what he's called me, that I'm son, that I'm the royal priesthood and a holy nation, that, that he created me intentionally on purpose in his image, that he made me to be a mirror of what heaven is and what he is. And even though I'm a sinner and I will fall every single day and I fail in my life, the goal wasn't to be that, but simply to get back up when I fall and fall forward and not fall backwards and look back and say, woe is me, I cannot do this, I'm undone. Watch, he already did it when he said it is finished. He paid the price of every single sin we'll ever have. He's already purchased that with his blood. I don't have to purchase it by beating myself up. I look to my Savior, the author and the perfecter of my faith, and I say, you are the one that leads me swiftly like an arrow. And if I walk, not if I talk, if I walk on purpose in freedom in Christ Jesus, my children will follow. That's what Proverbs chapter 20 verse one says that my children will follow after, but what I want to do is tell them like it is and then walk away and do something different. I wonder why things are a mess when my kids hear me chastise my wife and then they want to talk back to her. Am I the only one in here that struggles with these things? I got to hit on this for a minute. I'm just going to. I said this last week, but I know we had some technical difficulties. And if you don't like your toes stepped on, kind of pick your feet up right now. Can I tell you how I know Tigris isn't the culture of our lives corporately? It's because every time someone does something that you don't like, we post about it on social media and we tell all of our friends how bad our teachers are how bad our bosses are, how bad our, our lives are, our homes are. So we make sure that everybody knows how bad we've got it by making sure everybody knows how awful people are treating us. Why? Because it's their job to point you to your destiny in Christ, isn't it? Nah. As a matter of fact, if you're a follower of Jesus, and our calling is to be fruitful and increase or multiply, a lot of times those people that we're looking at don't have this. So that's not to say that we turn a blind eye to stupidity and craziness. But what it is saying is if I'm living a carnal style of life, it's not their fault. 
I've taken my eyes off of Jesus. So I operate swift toward a target. It just ain't the one that God made for me. My destiny is so cloudy when this becomes the case that I've let everyone in the world dictate who I am in Jesus and not the one that made me. <laughs> He's the only one that can tell me who I really am. Do you know that? It's crazy. And then the last one is so profound because you get all of these and then you understand what this means. The last thing Jesus said before he ascended into heaven was go and make disciples. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on. And he rose. Translation, be fruitful and multiply. Make more of what I put in you, not what you desire the world to look like. Make, make the world look like what I made the world to look like, not what sin has made the world to look like. But the only way, reminder, the only way that we can be fruitful and bear fruit is what that word means, is to abide in him, John 15. That's the only way. And anytime I try to bear good fruit, I, I fall into this category of a works-oriented Christianity that takes me straight out of the grace of the Lord Jesus that, that he bought us with. And what that does is it makes me feel like a terrible, awful piece of crap that I'll never be good enough. I got good news for everybody that feels that way. You're right. But I got better news than that. God purchased that good enough and nailed it to the cross. And this is what he offers us. He offers us a shift of a culture from, from, from competing with each other and constantly tearing each other down and finding everybody's faults and being not okay with everybody and being frustrated and not being grateful in our hearts for what the Lord purchased. But the shift takes place when we live out of and not for. Live out of and not for. We don't have to go get what God put in us. We have to walk in what God put in us. If you are a follower of Jesus, this is already in you. He made you to be this. If your life's falling apart, listen to me. It's not because God did it. Does God know the storms are happening in your life? Absolutely. Does God push us toward them sometimes? Absolutely he does. Are some things in this life difficult? Oh my freaking goodness, yes. And I know I'm the only one that says freaking and that thinks that life is hard because y'all are looking at me like y'all have seen a ghost. But it's so hard sometimes. If you haven't said in the last month, I just feel like throwing my hands up, then you are better than your pastor. Just telling you. But I only say that when I think I've got to carry the load. He's the one that said in Matthew 11, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden. I'll give you rest. My yoke is light and my burden is easy. So whenever my burden feels too heavy to carry, it's because I've decided that I have to carry it. So can I show you how we can have this? Yes, pastor, you can. I love this passage so much. It says on the last day of the feast, it's the last and greatest day. Jesus stood up on this place where everybody could see him. 
and it says he cried out. Another translation says he said in a loud voice. So I'm going to do it for you so y'all can hear it the Jesus way. He said, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Not all the other reservoirs that you can find different ways to drink and hope that you get satisfied. Me! Because whoever believes in me, as the scripture says, out of his heart will flow the rivers of living water. That's what those rivers are that burst out. It's the living water. It's the life-giving. It's what takes place when Christ is in me. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 says, I have the mind of Christ, so I don't have to think the way I used to think. But I have to submit myself to him. And the only way that what bubbles up can keep bubbling up is if my heart is right with him. Because Proverbs says this isn't my idea. This is what Proverbs said. Above all else, guard your heart, because out of it is where the lifeblood flows. That's where, that's where everything comes from. And whenever my heart gets hardened... And I begin to kill the ones that God called me to. And especially in my home and in my marriage. And with my children and with my parents. With my teachers. The ones that God has put me directly in. Most of the time I blame them. All of the time I have a heart problem. Most of the time I blame somebody else. 100% of the time my pride has invaded my life. And I've looked at them and said, how dare they? How dare she? And it's devastating. This is what's so cool about God. You can also read the woman at the well in John chapter 4. So you can drink of this well and you'll be thirsty again. But if you drink of me, you'll never be thirsty again. And I, as I was looking at this this week, y'all, I, I was looking at Revelation 22, the very end of the Bible. And it says in heaven, one day, when we all get there, right down the middle of the city flows the river of life. And it is the life giver to everything. This is what it says. That's where the healing, oh my gosh, I'm going to preach right now. It says that's where the healing of the nations take place. Y'all, I'm building this soapbox like Jesus did in Matthew 7. I'm about to stand on it right now. We get frustrated at the media for, for causing us con conflict constantly. And I'm telling you right now, the answer is in you. The river of life is already here and he's in you. It is Jesus. The healing of the nations look around you. Not everybody looks the same. There are national, there's a nationalities represented in here and we hate each other. And we're like, well, if we just come together and have this conference and we talk about it now, we got enough freaking conferences. We need Jesus. That's it. There is nothing, no, no, no kind of 10 step, 12 step, touch your neighbor, tell them 12 step, none of that stuff. You can do the hokey pokey. You can do anything that you want. We can throw money at schools and say, well, that school has less money. So they need more. That's a fact. They need more Jesus. And until Christ followers like me and like you say, I'm, I'm not going to make you, I'm not going to beat you over the head with all my words and then go out and deny what I'm saying with my lifestyle. I'm going to say things when God puts them on my heart, but I'm going to do it. 
I'm going to show it. Everything that I do, every way that I respond, I sometimes might have to pull away from a group. I sometimes might have to chase into a group. I sometimes might have to do things that people think are psycho. I sometimes might have to stand up and say, God said you tell them when you walk into that Egypt that I am sent me. And they may not understand who I am, but they will. And the I am ain't Mark, if anybody's missing that. He is our maker, our sustainer, our creator. He is greater than all things. He is all authority. Sin and sickness bow their knee. There is none like him. But I'm going to tell you something right now, what I've learned in my short experience on this earth. It ain't going to change. It's not going to change until he gets a hold of you. Until I realize that my heart is the problem. My heart is the one that needs the healing of the river of life that heals the nations. The very leaves that are, that are made from the trees that are on the banks. My goodness, I have a whole sermon series flooding through my mind right now. That's what we need. This world needs what comes out of what God put in. He, they don't need another tweet from me. They need to see the fruit off of what I'm doing in Christ because they'll experience the very breath of God in us. So I just need to know in here, is there anybody in here? We're going to close different, but I need to know, is there anybody in here that needs to drink from that river for the very first time? Because here's what it looks like. It's not magic. And it's not smart water, even though, praise the Lord for smart water. Drinking from the river for the very first time is saying this, Jesus, I'm not the boss, but you are. And so today I choose to drink. I choose to say you're Lord and I'm not. I choose to say that my sin should have, should have caused me to go to hell when I die. But today I choose heaven here and now and then absolutely, ultimately, when I get to heaven one day, you're going to let me in. You're the boss. You're my Lord. I trust you. Save me. I believe there's people in this room that you need that. And I just want to know today, is it you? Will you bow your head and close your eyes with me? If that's you, we don't want to embarrass you. We don't want to embarrass you. We just want to give you the opportunity to respond. So if that's you, I just want you to slip your hand up right now, wherever you are. You can put it back down, but I just want you to slip your hand up and say, Pastor, that's me. I need to be saved right now. I need for the very first time to say, Jesus, you're my boss. You're my Lord. You love me enough to die for me. And today I choose to love you back. If that's you, just put your hand up and put it right back down wherever you are in the room. Praise the Lord. I want to pray for you, and if you decide to follow Jesus, I want you to take your, your worship guide, and on the connection card, I want you to check the box to say, I'm choosing to follow Jesus today, and turn it in on the way out the door. If you take it to our, if you take it to our connections table at our, in our next steps area, we have a gift for you that we'd love to give you. God, today, I just thank you that you offer us the culture 
that can cause us compliment, go together, fit perfectly, naked and unashamed. I'm thankful that in everything, God, you you created us to be made whole by giving us your son. Lord, what a savior we have. What a friend we have in Jesus. God, I just pray that we will realize that the healing of the nations has already been given to us 2,000 years ago in the person of Jesus Christ and that the way that we change the world is by beginning to walk in what you put in in freedom and in hope in Christ. And so God, we lay our lives down like servants and we say, God, what would you have me do to flesh this out and to be what you've called me to be? So Jesus, thank you that the river of life is bubbling in each one of us. And God, right now, I just pray you'll activate it that God, we submit ourselves to you in such a way that our homes begin to change, that the way we love our wives and our husbands and our fathers and mothers and sons and daughters and brothers and sisters and friends, the way we live our lives and our coworkers and our employees and our bosses, the way that people see us live, work and play begins to look different. Certainly not perfection, but absolutely fruitful. And so God, we just submit ourselves to you and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, we're going to close service, and the band is going to sing He Knows My Name on the way out the door. But here's what I want y'all to do as you leave today. First, please come back tonight. We'd be honored to have you. As always, if you want to give, you can give on the way out the door, and there's four ways to give, and it'll be on the screen behind me. And we're honored by your obedience. We always ask you to do one thing, but I want to ask you to do one thing in more than just offerings. So I feel like that's insincere. And everything that you do, if you'll just say, God, what would you have me do? I'm telling you from experience, he'll show you. He'll show you. He'll show you. And it'll change your life. So in obedience, wherever God calls you to serve, whoever God calls you to, to serve, whatever God calls you at your home, at your workplace, just be obedient. I don't know if it's God. If you jacked up and messed up in your mind, would you have done it? If the answer is no, then do it. Do it. He'll begin to show you the open doors. I love y'all so much. Y'all be blessed. Have an amazing week. And just remember that he knows your name as we close with this song.